welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. The miracle of Jesus where he healed the paraplegic. The paraplegic was not able to use his legs. They were lifeless, powerless. In fact, one version says that he was impotent. He was powerless to help himself. And John writes in his gospel called the Gospel of Belief um, things about Jesus to strengthen our faith. The church then as now was under constant pressure from the world around it to abandon its belief to fit into the existing, um, the, the existing structure of the world. And because the enemy of our soul is the prince of this world, his main objective is this. He will allow us to exist as long as he strips us of our power. How many understand that? And so there's constant pressure to conform and to fit into this world as long as we don't upset the existing power structures and the benefits that give to, the, to people and to leaderships. And in this story, we're going to read it, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And John um, writes about seven miracles or signs as evidences to believe in Jesus. And he writes um, from a, as though it was a, a case being presented. And he would, he would give these evidences and then people could decide what they were going to do. And the seven miracles or signs, one was when he turned the water into wine. You remember that? That he is, because Jesus is God, he's not limited by time by space. He's not limited by anything. But he turned water into wine, demonstrated that he is the master of quality. He can turn nothing into something. In fact, as the creator of this world, Jesus Christ created this world out of nothing. That's what the, the Word of God says. And then last week, he healed the nobleman or the official's son who was 20 miles away, he spoke his word and fulfilled the scriptures that he sent his word and he healed them. He is the master of distance. No one is too far from God. There's no distance. There's nothing that we can do. There's no physical distance that's too far from God. So during this week, as I'm praying for my wife, she is not, there's no limit to the distance even though it's, it's a six-hour time frame. And I believe that because God, with God, there is no such thing as time. There is no beginning and the end. We simply, all we can do with time is to mark it into seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, year. We can only quantify it, but we cannot begin it and we cannot end it. How many understand? understand that. That is God's prerogative. And so, uh, but we can pray and, and just believe the Lord. And so he's the Lord of, over distance. And then, then in John chapter 6, when the uh, 5,000 plus 
uh, women and children, say 15, 20,000 came, and they were there. He was, and he fed them with a few loaves and fishes, demonstrating that he is the master of quantity. He can take what we don't have, which is insufficient, and by his touch, he can turn it into something that is a blessing because, once again, he's not limited by distance, by space, or time. And then when he walked on the water as the Lord of creation, and Paul the Apostle wrote that all of creation was created through him and by him and for him, and all things hold together in creation by Jesus Christ. When he walked on the water, he demonstrated that he is Lord of creation and Lord over nature. Praise God. And then when he healed the eyes of the man that was born blind, he was the master of time because the man was born blind. He lived his entire life, and time means nothing to him. He healed those eyes. And then when he came to the grave of Lazarus, and Lazarus had been dead for several days, and they asked him, Lord, why did you linger uh, God knew the end of the story. Jesus, as the Son of God, and being equal with God, knew the end of the story. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he said, come forth, the word of Jesus Christ resurrected Lazarus, so he is the Lord of life. Can someone say amen? He is the Lord of the resurrection of the dead to life. And today, I want to talk with you that Jesus is the master of misfortune. He is the master of misfortune. And we're going to read John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. You can follow along. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Just a background for this, a backstory. There are three times a year when all of the, the males, and then by extension their families, and their children were required to come to Jerusalem for feasts, for Passovers, and for tabernacles three times a year when the whole population was come. And so this is the, the, the setting for this. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. And that word Bethesda means healing sanctuary or healing waters. That's what it literally means. And it's still there today, by the way. And so in these lay a multitude of those who were sick. They were sick, they were blind, and they were lame and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then was first after the stirring up of the water stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. 
when you see this wheelchair, what do you think of? What, how many have ever been in a wheelchair? You've had to been in a wheelchair. Let me just raise your hand. Yes. This represents misfortune. Misfortune. Misfortune is an event or a confluence or a conjunction of events that can bring tragedy in our life, but it results in a loss of fortune, wellness, wholeness. Some synonyms for it are tragedy, loss, blow, failure, adversity, but when misfortune strikes, things are never the same. Misfortune is when it happens, uh, we are the victims in this. It comes out of nowhere. It could be the sudden loss of an individual. We just heard this past week, one of the giants in the faith, a friend of mine, I've preached in his pulpit in Griffin, Georgia, church of 3,500. Randy Valamont, one of the greatest missions churches in the Assemblies of God and the 14,000 plus, about my age, in full health, a man that was bigger than life. Just a week and a half or so ago was hospitalized in obstruction of some sort. Seemed to, seemed to get straightened up, went home. There was some sort of an issue. We got the word Thursday within hours, 4 o'clock. A man in full strength, full health, a great church died like that. He's gone. Misfortune, leaving his wife, his children, the church, a great loss. We said, oh, God, why did this happen? So misfortune comes. They're not always as traumatic as that. Sometimes people let us down. We lose a job. Sometimes a family falls apart and there's children of divorce. And that never that's something that so many never, ever really get over. But what this story, this account, tells us is that Jesus Christ is the master of misfortune. Praise God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he comes, he comes to bring help and hope and healing in his strong name. Imagine if the misfortunes in your life were reversed or in the life of your adult children, and sometimes adult children make some choices, and, and we pray and we reason, and yet they go ahead. But imagine what God wants to do in their life. It's not imagine if it was reversed, but imagine and believe what God wants to do in the lives of each one of us that have undergone some type of misfortune. I think of young adults in our 
church. And I think of adults in our church that have experienced the touch of Jesus Christ. One of them, Jordan Parker, was a young man that I don't know if he'd ever been to church or not, and he come, came from circumstances that were not the best. But he came and he asked Pastor Bobby what was the meaning of life, and Pastor Bobby, a lot of you know this, brought him and had him help him set up for youth, took two or three hours, met some of the kids, went that next Wednesday night, and it wasn't long before Jordan gave his life to the Lord. God totally changed him as the captain of the football team at, at uh, Harford Tech. And then God called him to the ministry, and we had the joy of being at his wedding back in uh, this summer, and then just recently got a thank you note for him and just thanking us and Chris and myself, but also for the influence and the part that we've played in his life. Jesus is the master of misfortune, praise his name. And so today I want to tell you the story about this paraplegic. And in your notes you have, you have in the bulletin, there's some notes that you can fill in. The first thing was that Jesus heals the paraplegic. 18 years, or 38 years, and he was waiting by the pool of Bethesda for the angel to come and stir the waters. It's sort of like a spiritual lottery, and I, um, that's what, how God was working back then. But whoever was in first got healed, but this man was powerless. He was unable to help himself, and misfortune will leave us in a situation where we are unable to help ourselves in some area. For him, it was a loss of mobility. It was a loss of livelihood, and it meant that he was isolated socially because you had no standing in that day if you were infirm, if you could not help yourself, if you're physically challenged. It meant that he would have to beg for alms. It meant that someone would have to push him or carry him if they had wheelchairs, which I, I don't know, but it meant that someone would have to push him. Someone would have to go out of their way so that he could get to the place of hope, but knowing that there were hundreds of people in front of him and the likelihood that he would ever get in the waters was next to nothing. But while he was there, he could beg for alms. No doubt that's what he would do. And Jesus Christ came along that day on the Sabbath, and it's important to, to know that it was on the Sabbath, and for some reason he chose this particular individual because he was utterly without hope and without help, and he was, he was confined or condemned to being a victim all of his life. But Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And on the surface, that seems like, well, of course. Who want, wouldn't want to be healed? But what Jesus knew is if this man was healed after 38 years of crawling around with his hands, being isolated and begging for alms, 
He knew that for the man it was a risk to be touched by Jesus because you just in those days, you couldn't pick up a career after 38 years. Jesus was known as the son of the carpenter. That's what he was always going to be, a carpenter. You, you didn't start out as a carpenter and then say, well, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to be an engineer. No, you're a carpenter. You're a carpenter. And so this man, after 38 years, for him to say yes meant that he would have to try to reconstruct a life. Just recently, I, I've been following in the Baltimore Sun about, I believe it's, I believe it's five uh, people who they found to be incarcerated in the Maryland state prisons, wrongfully accused, and now there's reparations that are being made for them. And they, what they've done, what the state has done, they're giving them $78,000 per year for each year that they're wrongfully incarcerated. And it, it seems, at first glance, you say, man, if I, wouldn't that be great to have 20 years at 80 grand a year? How many would take that? You, you know what I'm saying? But one of the individuals said, but here's the thing. He said, I appreciate the check. But he said, no check can make up for the life that I lost. So when my boy was sick and dying, I couldn't go to the hospital. When my little boy died, I couldn't go to the funeral. I miss the events of my children and family life for 20-some years. How do you reconstruct a life now when you're in your mid-60s? Thank God for the generosity of the check. And for this man, after 38 years of being in that same condition, for Jesus to heal him, it represented a huge risk. But the good news is that Jesus heals even when we're the cause. That's what forgiveness is all about, praise God. His mercy, his grace, his love. If you've ever had people around you that have been misfortune happen to them or, or you've had to, or they've lived with you, they've made choices that you don't want you talk with them and you try to give counsel and advice and there's a deaf ear, then conversations might turn into conflict, might turn into intensity, might turn into some things that you do that later on that you regret and still they don't change. And you set rules and they don't follow the rules. And so you up the ante. You say, Pastor, how do you know where I live? Because we've lived through this. And I know what it's like. I know what it's like. To be, to be, have a deaf ear where you cannot get through. And what comes inside of you is to make things tough. But you find that that doesn't work and you're left with two choices, to be bitter and full of hatred or allow God to give you a love, a level of love that you never knew existed. Because God 
doesn't work according to our time. How many know that? He knows the end. He knows the end from the beginning. And the wonderful news is that God heals us. He makes us whole even when we are the cause of it. But it means that we, when the Lord says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? I don't know. <laughs> Who's going to push me around? If I'm healed, what excuses do I have? Who can I blame? If I stand on my own two feet, what's going to happen? I don't know that I can stand on my own two feet. I don't know what it's going to be like. Like, If I'm not healed, I know someone will get me here. I know that there will be enough alms that I can eat a little bread every day. I know that at least I have a future that's fairly certain. But Jesus, if you heal me, then what? What am I going to do? And the man replied, yes, sir, I want to be healed. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, praise God. And the Bible says that he got up and he took his pallet and he began to walk. Trust and obey. Take up your bed and walk. I, I happen to believe that he walked on shaky legs. How about you? I believe he walked on shaky legs. You cannot be infirm for 38 years and get up and walk like you're going out of your car. You're going to get something. Our youngest daughter FaceTimed Chris yesterday, and <clears throat> Chris said, and she has two daughters. One is four, total pistol. The other one's the number two child. She's just as sweet as could be. Number one child, smart, brilliant. I can't call her sweet. That's all I can say. Just She likes to break the world. But number two, oh, my goodness. Little Julia. Chris said, what is she doing? Chris said, uh, our daughter said, she's walking. Chris said, she can't walk. She's only 10 months old. And here she is. She's staggering. She's like this. And Chris said, oh, watch her. She's going to hit her head on the coffee table. Stop her. She had shaky legs. But I'll guarantee you next month those little legs won't be shaky. How many know what I'm, they're going to be running, running, getting into all kinds of trouble that's there. And the Lord asks you and me where we are, where our misfortunes are. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? Or do you want excuses? Do you want someone to blame you? Do you want someone to carry you? Do you want to live off somebody else? Or do you want the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for us in his strong name? Praise his name. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Your past misfortunes do not have to define your future. Praise God. We all make mistakes. We all do things. And, and, but no matter what it is, we're not too far from God for the Lord to reach down and touch us and do a new work inside of us. You and I are not an exception. Trust and obey what he tells you to do. Will you have shaky legs? You're going to have shaky legs. 
but I'll take shaky legs any day over impotent legs. How about you? He has an abundant life for you and for me. Now what happened? Because of this, they put Jesus on trial. John is known as the gospel of belief, but it's also known as the gospel of rejection. If you read verse 10, they said the religious leaders are upset because he healed him on the Sabbath. They were upset because of his works and then because Jesus said that I and the Father am one. And it, that meant that he was God and he is God. God in the flesh for you and for me. The religious authorities were upset that Jesus broke their rules of the Sabbath because they had 39 things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath, and one of them was carry your bed on the Sabbath. But they had a rule for themselves. If your cow fell in the ditch, you could pull it out. So they were upset that Jesus healed a man who was infirm for 38 years but broke their rule of carrying his bed. Now, what does that tell you? They should have been rejoicing that he was miraculously healed, but they weren't. But praise God, their opposition could not stop the work of God. I believe, church, the, the Lord is calling us to, the Lord is calling us to make sure that we're not skeptical of what God is doing. Um, I was sent a thing this morning by Kanye uh, that featured uh, Kanye West. How many know? Who, how many know who Kanye West is? Okay, who does not know who Kanye West? It's okay. It's okay. Oh, I know some of you don't know who he is. All right. And he's married to Kim Kardashian. How many know who Kim Kardashian is? All right. Yeah. All right. So, God's done done something for Kanye West. Yeah. I mean, this guy is a gazillionaire. And his wife, Kim Kardashian's a gazillionaire. So he started having church services on Sunday morning. And the howl and the uproar from the religious folks that have the spirit of the elder brother when the prodigal son came, came home is a disgrace to the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know that Kanye West has his whole act cleaned up. What I do know that there's no one in here beginning with this guy that has their act cleaned up. There's none righteous, no, not one. How many understand that? Yes. But what I do know is he's holding these church services. It's a production. I do know that the Bentleys and the Rolls Royces are lined up to get in, and there's no church in Harford County where they're doing that to. I do know that he's preaching about righteousness. I do know that his latest project, it was a requirement that those that worked with him on the project, and it's quite a deal to work with him on something, that they abstain from premarital sex and extramarital sex. Is there an amen in the house? All right, okay. I do know that he's, he's now addressing things of righteousness in the heart of God, and God has seized him. And so I, I got something this, uh, something this morning. In fact, um, you, on the, on the uh, break that, that we had, the video announcements, how many recognize the lyrics? How many know where they're from? 
this Kanye West. It's just listen to them, all right? So I got a thing last night. They said, hey, we picked this out. It was Amber. She said, I think it's perfect considering the party in the park. What do you think, you know? And if, if we shouldn't do it, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to another song, uh, uh, maybe a church song that we all know. And I got thinking about it, and I listened to it, and I said, no, no. Who are we to do to judge what God has done? I believe God, listen, I believe God wants us to believe him for great things in God, that there's more than one Kanye West, that there are, there are people that we put on a pedestal, and I don't know that their lives are cleaned up, but I do know that the church at Corinth that Paul wrote, First and Second Corinthians 2, they were, they were sort of a mess, but God was moving through them with power, but he was taking the fatherly love approach to disciple them more closely in the ways of the Lord. Can someone say amen? We don't want to be like the religious people and, and are more worried about what maybe someone hasn't shed off yet more concerned about that than rather rejoicing because of what God's doing. So uh, Amber sent me a thing early this morning, and I, last night I said, no. I said, that's great because I'm going to mention Kanye West in the message tomorrow. She says, oh, that's beautiful. That works out. So she sends me a thing. Kanye West just had a church service in Baton, Lu Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A thousand people came forward to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can someone say amen? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a local pastor that reported it. You know something's happening. It's God when a local pastor is reporting something and they're not jealous about it. How many you know what I'm talking about? All right. So, all right. But God calls us, Jesus calls us to do his work in a hurting world. Because in a sense, the church today is on trial just like Jesus was. Karl Barth, who was a great German um, Christian and writer, he wrote um, a, a letter to the church in Germany, World War I, and you could call it empty canals. And what he, he said to them, he gave, gave them a, shared a story of this city in Europe that had these beautiful set of canals that they had constructed, constructed and the boats went through there and the water was really good and fish were there and commerce grew up around it. And the military was so good and prized that the military had to defend it. And it cost them more money to defend it. But tourists would come, people would come to see what it was about. But one day, through a course of nature, the canal started to dry up. And after a while, the boats couldn't use it and the fish life died off. But because it attracted tourists, the people of the town instructed their sons and daughters that we need to continue to pay the taxes to defend this thing because people come. But by the time they got to the third generation, they had difficulty convincing them, and by the fourth and fifth generation, they're going, what's the point? What he was writing about was in the church. He said, God has called us to be streams of living waters canals full of life rather than simply empty canals defending our structures and methods of a time gone by. How many hear what I'm saying? Yes. But he calls us to do his work in a hurting world. I believe that we are called to be living epistles, salt and light, and as we take big steps for God, that he'll take big steps for us. 
party in the park. I mentioned that 1,100 people, we believe it was God orchestrated above and beyond. And I understand it was on Halloween night. I understand it was on Halloween night. I understand that Jesus healed on the Sabbath and broke their interpretation of the Sabbath. How many hear what I'm saying? But I understand that if we had done that on a Wednesday night and it had been windy and cold, we might have had 25 people show up in that place. But I understand that Jesus went where the rhythms of life took people and we must be bold and brave enough to take the light in the darkness rather than let our own legalistic view of things prevent us from carrying the gospel to people. Amen. Amen. All right. And it's okay if it's okay if you if you don't want to if you don't want to believe that that that's I can't say it's okay. I'm telling you what what I believe and what I've seen. So we got the reports that night and and by the way one of the women is here this morning and she has four kids and 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 she sent this to us and she said, "Oh, thank you Grace Assembly of God. Thank you. Thank you for doing this for our community. Thank you for offering a place on that's safe." and dry, and lots of candy, and it's free, as because as, we don't want to be out there on the streets. We don't want to be out there on the streets on this night, but thank you. And she said the music, and our kids loved it, and she said there was this sweet lady named Nora that prayed for me and my best friend. That's There it is right there. Nora, God bless you, lady. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah prayed over us, and she's here this morning. It's over. My understanding is over next door with her kids. I think, praise God. How about that? Praise the Lord, yes. We're called to be as ambassadors and as agents of healing and power and authority. I remember a time when I was first in the ministry that there, there was churches that actually had constitutions of what you couldn't do rather than what you should do. And basically it went like this. You can't drink, dance, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. <laughs> I had my eye on a young lady in a holiness church, and I knew a lot of them there, good people, really good people. But they'd carried this thing, this legalism to the point, and I knew it was wrong when I dressed up that Sunday night and I had my, my gray pinstripe suit on and my, my leather boots, floor shine boots, and I had a purple shirt and a polka dot tie, and I wore my black leather coat, and I sauteed in, sauntered into that church I thought anyone, you know, hey, sorry. We used to have a thing we'd said in our home church. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible, terrible. Do you want to hear what, what we said, though? But God's changed me. But I'll tell you how I used to think. We'd, we'd say all the girls are too fat, too old, or too ugly in our home church, all right? Wasn't true, but I mean, you know. 
So anyway, I went and I read the Constitution and the girl that I wanted to meet, she wouldn't even talk with me. I followed her out to the car and I started to say hi and she just rolled her window up. <laughs> I knew then that legalism was wrong. Yeah. I got a report on Thursday night that Ellen, my sister-in-law, as I was there greeting people, she said, hey, Paul, there's a, there's a little girl that's disabled and her mom and they can't come in because it's not handicap accessible. Could we go out and paint her face, face paint? I said, by all means. I, they were going to do it whether I said do it or not. I mean, that was just a formality, thank God. They went out. And they prayed for that woman and they prayed for that God and they said the presence of God was all over them. She couldn't get inside where the music was and the games were and where the testimonies were, where all the free stuff was. But someone went to her, helped her. Judgmental hypocrites always have reasons not to participate or to celebrate But God is calling us to trust and obey so we can be his agents of healing, help, and real hope. He's calling us to walk on shaky legs into the joy of his future. I want the band to come right now if you would, thanks. Walk on shaky legs into the joy of his future. Shaky legs that will turn into a victory run. Because God's word says, and we claim that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up long wigs like eagles. They shall walk and not faint. They will run and not be weary. Let's run into the future that God has for his people. Praise his name. This morning, the Lord is here. If you are suffering misfortune in your life, Jesus Christ comes to help you. I understand misfortune. I understand what it is to be victimized by it, to have things done that are beyond your control. I understand the, as a man, the need to have the last word, the need to make things right. But it's only until we let go and let God that God can do a work in our life. I also understand that the future that I have in God is brighter than I've ever known it. I'm seeing more things this stage of the journey, the things 10 or 12 years ago I wouldn't have believed were possible in the name of Jesus. But I had to come to a point where I said, Lord, yes, I'm willing to be healed. It means I've got to let go of some things because not everything is going to be made right this side of heaven. 
once we see Jesus, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. And if it doesn't matter then, it really shouldn't matter now. And I believe the Lord is here this morning to change your misfortune into joy. Praise God. Strength and power. It means that we have to give that up. It means that we don't have the default anymore. It means that we can't blame somebody else. But it means that God will empower us on the inside by the might of his spirit and his spirit begins to flow through every fiber of our being because that's who Jesus Christ is. Praise his name. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. This morning if you're here, misfortune has visited your life and to say, Lord, yes, I want to be whole. I want to be healed. In Jesus' name, would you raise your hand right now? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, would you raise your hand? Yes, 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 yes. I want to be healed in Jesus' name. I want to be whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We bless you for it. This morning, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you want him to make you whole. You want to receive him as Lord and Savior, to be forgiven so that you'll be in the family of God. If that's you, raise your hand right now. So just raise it wherever you are. Raise your hand. God will do something in your life as you take that step towards God. Thank you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, you see every hand and every heart. We love you for it. We bless you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen the shaky legs. I thank you, Lord, as we lay down things and we take on your empowerment, Lord, that we will run into the future great joy that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand with